Hello, and welcome back, or welcome to Harry Potter Books Read to You. I am pre-setting this for two days from now, so I hope this works, and if I don't finish it, I am sorry. This is rushed with less than 30 minutes on the clock, when these usually take around 37. Uh, furthermore, this is the Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling. So none of this is my story, characters, or artwork used, or themes. And I, I really support J.K. Rowling, and I believe you should go check her out. She's really cool, and I would urge you to go purchase the book. Uh, with that, let's get on to the episode. Chapter 6, The Journey from... Pa- from platform nine. Wait, are we chapter five? We're, we're chapter five, right? Okay. Chapter five, Diagon Alley. Diagon Alley. Alley, sorry. Harry woke early the next morning. Although he could tell it was daylight, he kept his eyes shut tight. It was a dream, he told himself firmly. I dreamed a giant that named Hagrid called came to tell me that I was going to a school for wizards. When I open my eyes, I'll be at home in my cupboard. There was suddenly a loud tapping noise. And that's Aunt Petunia knocking at the door, Harry thought, his heart sinking. But he didn't open his eyes. It had been such a good dream. Tap, tap, tap. All right, Harry mumbled. I'm getting up. He sat up, and Hagrid's heavy coat fell off of him. The hut was full of sunlight, and the storm was over. Hagrid was himself was asleep on the collapsed sofa, and there was an owl wrapping its claw on the window, and a newspaper held in its beak. Harry scrambled to his feet, so happy as though he felt that a large balloon was swelling inside him. He went straight to the window and jerked it open. The owl swooped in and dropped the newspaper on top of Hagrid, who didn't wake up. The owl fluttered onto the floor and began attacking Hagrid's coat. Don't do that. Harry tried to wave away the owl, but it snapped back fiercely and carried on savaging the coat. Hagrid, Harry said loudly, there's an owl. Pay him, grunted Hagrid from the sofa. What? He wants paying for delivering the paper. Look in the pockets. Hagrid's coat seemed to be made of nothing but pockets. Bunches of keys, slug pellets, balls of string, peppermint humbugs, team bags, and finally, Harry pulled out a handful of strange-looking coins. Give him five nuts, Hagrid said sleepily. Nuts? The little bronze ones. So Harry counted out five of the little bronze coins, and the owl held out its leg, so Harry could put the money into the small leather pouch tied to it. Then he flew off through the open window. Hagrid yawned loudly, sat up, and stretched. Best be off, Harry. Got lots to do today. Lot lot to get up to London and buy all your stuff for school. Uh, Harry was turning over the wizard coins and looking at them. He had just thought of something that made him feel as though the happy balloon inside of him had gotten a puncture. Um, Hagrid? Hmm? Said Hagrid, who was pulling on his huge boots. I haven't gotten in... I haven't got any money. And you heard Uncle Vernon last night. He won't pay for me to go and learn magic. Don't you worry ab- about that, said Hagrid, standing up and scratching his head. Do you think your parents didn't leave you anything? But if their house was destroyed, they didn't keep their house and their, g- their gold in their house, boy. Nah, first stop for us is Gringotts Wizard's Bank. Have a sausage. They're not bad cold. And I wouldn't say no to a bit of your birthday cake, neither. Wizard's Banks? Just one. Gringotts, run by goblins. Harry dropped his bit of sausage that he was holding. Goblins? Yeah, 
so you'd mad try and rob it. I tell you that, never mess with goblins, Harry. Gringotts is the safest place in the world, as for anything that you want to keep safe. Except for maybe Hogwarts. As a matter of fact, I've got to go visit Gringotts anyway, for Dumbledore, Hogwarts business. Hagrid drew himself up proudly. He usually gets me to do important stuff for him, fetching you, getting things from Gringotts. He knows he can trust me. Got it. He knows he can trust me, see? Got everything? Come on, then. Harry followed Hagrid out onto the rock. The sky was quite clear now, and the sea gleamed in the sunlight. The boat Uncle Vernon had hired was still there, and a lot of water in the bottom after the storm. How did you get here? Harry asked, looking around for another boat. Flew, said Hagrid. Flew? Yeah, but we'll go back on this. Not supposed to use magic now that I've got you. They settled down in the boat. And Harry was still staring at Hagrid, trying to imagine him flying. Seemed a shame to row, though, said Hagrid, giving Harry another one of his sideways looks. If I was to uh, speed things up a little bit, would you mind not to mention it at Hogwarts? Of course not, said Harry, eager to see more magic. Hagrid pulled out his pink umbrella again and tapped it twice on the side of the boat, and they sped off towards land. Why would you be mad to try and rob Gringotts? Harry asked. Spells, enchantments, said Hagrid, unfolding his newspaper as he spoke. They say there's dra- a dragon guarding the, ha- guarding the high security vaults. And then you got to get to find your way. Gringotts is a hundred miles under London, see, deep under the underground. You'd die of hunger trying to get out, even if you did manage to get your hands on something. Hagrid sat... I mean, Harry sat and thought about this while Hagrid read his newspaper, The Daily Prophet. Harry had learned from Uncle Vernon that people liked to be left alone while they did this, but it was very difficult. He'd never had so many questions in his life. Ministry of Magic, Ministry of Magic messing things up as usual, Hagrid muttered, turning the page. There's a Ministry of Magic? Harry asked before he could stop himself. Of course, said Hagrid. They want a Dumbledore for Minister, of course, but he never... But he'd never leave Hogwarts, so old Cornelius Fudge got the job. Bungler, if there ever was one. So he pelts Dumbledore with owls every morning, asking for advice. But what does a Ministry of Magic do? Well, the main job is to keep it from the muggles that there's still witches and wizards up and around the country. Why? Why? Blimey, Harry, everyone would be wanting magic solutions for their problems. Nah, we're best left alone. At this moment, the boat bumped gently into the harbor wall. Hagrid folded up his newspaper and they clambered on t- up to the stone steps and onto the street. Passerbys stared a lot at Hagrid as they walked through the little town to the station, and Harry couldn't blame them. Not only was Hagrid twice as tall as anyone else, he kept pointing at perfectly ordinary things like parking meters and saying loudly, See that, Harry? These muggles do dream. The-, the things these muggles dream up, eh? Hagrid said Harry, panting a little bit as he ran to keep up. Did you say there are dragons at Gringotts? Well, so they say, said Hagrid. Crikey, I'd like a dragon. You'd like one? Wanted one ever since I was a kid. Here we go. They had reached the station. There was a train to London in five minutes' time. Hagrid, who didn't understand muggle money, as he called it, gave the bills to Harry so he could buy the tickets. People stared more than ever on the train. Hagrid took up two seats and sat knitting what looked like a cannery yellow circus tent. Still got your letter, Harry, he said as he counted stitches. Harry took the parchment envelope out of his pocket. 
Good, said Hagrid. There's a list of everything you need. Harry unfolded the second piece of paper, which he hadn't noticed the night before, and read, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, Uniform. First-year students will require three sets of plain work robes, black, one plain pointed hat, black for daywear, one pair of protective gloves, dragon hide or similar, one winter cloak, black silver fastenings. Please note that all pupils' clothes should carry name tags. Course books. All students should have a copy of each of the following. The Standard Book of Spells, Grade 1 by Manira Goshwalk. A History of Magic by Bathada Bagshot. Magical Theory by Albert Waffling. A Beginner's Guide to Transfiguration by Emic Switch. 1,000 Magical Herbs and Fungi by Phileas Spore. Magical Drift, Drafts and Potions by Honest Jigger. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by Newt Scamander. The Dark Forces, A Guide to Self-Protection by Quentin Trimble. Other Equipment. Wand Cauldron, Pewter, Standard Size 2 Set. Glass. Oh, sorry. Wand. Cauldron, Pewter, Standard Size 2 Set. Glass or Crystal Files. I mean, Vials. Telescope Set. Brass Scales. Students may also bring an owl or a cat or a toad. Parents are reminded that first years are not allowed their own broomsticks. Can we buy all of this in London? Harry wondered aloud. If you know where to go, said Hagrid. Harry had never been to London before. Although Hagrid seemed to know where he was going, he obviously was not used to getting there in an ordinary way. He got stuck at the ticket barrier on the underground and complained loudly that the, the seats on the train were too small and too slow. Well, that the seats were too small and the trains were too slow. I don't know how these muggles manage without magic, he said as they climbed a broken down escalator that led to a bustling road lined with shops. Hagrid was so huge that he parted the crowd easily. All Harry had to do was keep close behind him. They passed bookshops and music stores, hamburger restaurants, and cinemas, but nowhere looked as though it could sell you a magic wand. This was just an ordinary street full of ordinary people. Could there really be piles of, piles of wizard gold buried miles beneath them? Were there really shops that sold spell books and broomsticks? Might this all be some huge joke that the Dursleys had cooked up? If he hadn't, if Harry hadn't known the Dursleys had no sense of humor, he might have thought so. Yet somehow, everything, even though everything Hagrid told him so far was unbelievable, Harry couldn't help trusting him. This is it," said Hagrid, coming to the hall, coming to a halt. The Leaky Cauldron. It's a famous place. It was a tiny, grubby-looking pub. If Hagrid hadn't pointed out, it out, Harry wouldn't have noticed it was there. The people hurrying by didn't glance at it. Their eyes slid from the big bookshop on one side to the record shop on the other side as if they couldn't see the Leaky Cauldron at all. In fact, Harry had the most particular feeling that only he and Hagrid could see it. Before he could mention this, Hagrid steered him inside. For a famous place, it was dark and shabby. A few old women were sitting in a corner drinking tiny glasses of sherry. One of them was smoking a long pipe. A little man in a top hat was talking to the old bartender, who was quite bald and looked like a toothless walnut. The low buzz of chatter stopped as they walked in. Everyone seemed to know Hagrid. They waved and smiled, and the bartender reached for a glass, saying, The usual Hagrid? Can't, Tom. I'm on Hogwarts business, said Hagrid, clapping a great hand on Harry's shoulder and making Harry's knees buckle. Good lord, said the bartender, peering at Harry. Is this... It can't be. The leaky cauldron had suddenly gone completely still and silent. Bless my soul, whispered the old bartender. 
Harry Potter, what an honor! He hurried out from behind the bar, rushed towards Harry, and seized his hand, tears in his eyes. Welcome back, Mr. Potter, welcome back! Harry didn't know what to say. Everyone was looking at him. The old woman with the pipe was puffing on it without realizing it had gone out. Hagrid was beaming. Then there was a great scraping of chairs, and the next moment Harry found himself shaking hands with everyone in the leaky cauldron. Doris Crockford, Mr. Potter, I can't believe I'm meeting you at last. So proud, Mr. Potter, I'm just so proud. Always wanted to shake your hand, I'm in all of a flutter. Delighted, Mr. Potter, you just can't tell me. Diggle's the name, Daedalus Diggle. I've seen you before, Harry said, at Diggle's Diggle's top, top hat fell off in, in his excitement. You bowed to me once in a shop. He remembers, Daedalus Diggle, said, cried Daedalus Diggle, looking around at everyone. Did you hear that? He remembers me. Harry shook hands with everyone again and again, and Doris Crockford kept coming back for more. A pale young man made his way for forward, very nervously. One of his eyes was twitching. Professor Quirrell, said Hagrid. Harry, Professor Quirrell will be your teacher, one of your teachers at Hogwarts. Potter, stammered Professor Quirrell, grasping Harry's hand. Can't tell you how pleased I am to meet you. What sort of magic do you teach, Professor Quirrell? Defense against the dark arts, muttered Professor Quirrell, as though he'd rather not think about it. Not that you'll need it, eh, Potter? He laughed nervously. You'll be getting all your equipment, I suppose. I've got to pick up my new book on vampires myself. He looked terrified at the very thought. But the others wouldn't let Professor Quirrell keep Harry all to themselves. It took almost ten minutes to get away from them all at last. At last, Hagrid managed to get to make himself heard over the babble. Must get on. Lots to buy. Come on, Harry. Doris Crockford shook Harry's hand one more time. And Hagrid led them through the bar and into a small walled courtyard where there was nothing but a trash can and a few weeds. Hagrid grinned at Harry. I told you, didn't I? Didn't I? Told you you were famous. Even Professor Quirrell was trembling to meet you. Mind you, he's usually trembling. Is he always nervous? Oh yeah, poor, poor bloke. Oh my god, poor. Oh yeah, poor bloke. Brilliant mind. He was fine while he was studying out of books, but then he took a year off to get some first-hand experience. They say he met vampires in a black forest, and there was a nasty bit of trouble with a hag. Never seen him the same since. Scared of the students, scared of his own subject now. Where's me umbrella? Vampires? Hags? Harry's head was swimming. Hagrid, ha- oh my god. Hagrid, meanwhile, was counting bricks in the wall above the trash can. Three up, two across, he muttered. Right, stand back, Harry. He tapped the wall three times with the point of his umbrella. The brick he had touched quivered. It wriggled in the middle, and a small hole appeared. It grew wider and wider, and a second later they were facing an archway large enough even for Hagrid, an archway onto the cobbled street that twisted and turned in and out of sight. Welcome, said Hagrid, to Diagon Alley. He grinned at Harry's amazement. They stepped through the archway. Harry looked quickly over his shoulder and saw that the archway shrank instantly back into a solid wall. The sun shone brightly on a stack of cauldrons outside the nearest shop. Cauldrons, all sizes, copper, brass, pewter, silver, self-stirring, collapsible, set a sign hanging over them. 
Yeah, you'll be needing one, but first we got to get your money. Harry wished that he had about eight more eyes. He turned his head in every direction as they were walking up the street and tried to look at everything at once. The shops, the things outside them, the people doing their jobs. A plump woman outside the apothecary was shaking her head as they passed, saying, Dragon liver 17 sickles announced them mad! A low, soft hooting came from a dark shop saying, Airlips Owl Emporium. Tawny Screech, Barn, Brown, and Snowy. Several boys about Harry's age had their noses pressed against the window with two with broomsticks in it. Look, Harry even heard one of them say, the new Nimbus 2000, fastest ever. There were shops selling robes, shops selling telescopes with strange silver instruments that Harry had never seen before, windows stacked with barrels of bat spleens and eels eyes and tottering piles of spellbooks, quills and rolls of parchments, potions, bottles, and globes of the moon. Gringotts, said Hagrid. They had reached a snowy white building that towered over all the other little shops. Standing beside it was its burnished bronze doors, wearing a uniform of scarlet and gold, was... Yeah, that's a goblin, said Hagrid quietly, as they walked up towards the white stone steps. The goblin was about a head shorter than Harry. He had, swar- he had a swarthy, clever face, and a pointed beard that Harry noticed very long... And Harry noticed very long fingers and feet. He bowed as they walked inside. Now they were facing upon a second pair of doors, silver this time, the words engraved upon with words engraved upon them. Enter stranger, but take heed of what awaits the sin of greed. For those who take, but do not earn, must pay most dearly in their turn. So if you seek beneath our floors a, trevor, a treasure that is never yours, thief you have, have been warned, beware of finding more than treasure there. Like I said, you'd be mad to try and rob it, said Hagrid. A pair of goblins bowed to them through the silver doors, and they were in a, a vast marble hall. About a hundred more goblins were sitting on high stools behind a long counter, scribbling in large ledgers, weighing coins and brass scales, and examining precious stones through, precious stones through eyeglasses. There were too many doors to count leading off to the hall, and yet more goblins were showing people in and out of these. Hagrid and Harry made it for the counter. Morning, Hagrid said to a free goblin. We've come to take some money out of Mr. Potter's safe. You have his key, sir. Got it here somewhere, said Hagrid, and then he started emptying his pockets all over to the counter, scattering a handful of moldy dog biscuits over the goblin's book of numbers. The goblin wrinkled his nose. Harry watched as the goblins on their right weighing a pile of rubies as big as glowing coals. Got it, said Hagrid at last, holding up a tiny key. The goblin looked at it closely. That seems to be that seems to be in order. And I've also got a letter here from Professor Dumbledore, said Hagrid importantly, throwing at his chest. It's about you know what in Vault 713. The goblin read the letter very carefully. Very well, he said, handing it back to Grip Hagrid. I will have someone take you down to both vaults. Griphook Griphook was yet another another goblin. Once Hagrid had crammed all the dog biscuits back inside his pockets, he and Harry followed Griphook down one of the doors leading off to the hall. What's the you-know-what in Vault 713, Harry asked. Can't tell you that, said Hagrid mysteriously. Very secret. Hogwarts business. Dumbledore's trusted me more than my job's worth to tell you that. Griphook held open the door for them. Harry, who had expected more marble, was surprised. There was a narrow stone passageway lit with flaming torches. It sloped steeply down toward 
small little railway tracks on the floor. Griphook whistled, and a small cart came hurtling on the on the, up the tracks to them. Sorry, they climbed in, haggard with some difficulty, and were off. At first, they just hurtled through the maze of twisting passages. Harry tried to remember it. Left, right, right, left, middle fork, right, left, but it was impossible. The rattling cart seemed to know its own way, because Griphook wasn't steering. Sorry. Harry's eyes stung as the cold air rushed past them, but he kept o- he kept them wide open. Once he even thought he saw a burst of fire at the end of a passage that twisted around to see if it was a dragon, but too late. They plunged even deeper, passing an underground lake where huge stalactites and stalagmites grew from the ceiling to the floor. I never know, Harry called to Hagrid over the noise of the cart. What's the difference between a stalagmite and a stalactite? Stalagmite's got an eminent said Hagrid, and don't ask me questions right now. I think I'm going to be sick. He did look very green, and when the cart stopped at last, beside a small door in the passage in the passage wall, Hagrid got out and had to lean against the wall to stop his knees from trembling. Griphook unlocked the door. A lot of green smoke came billowing out, and as it cleared, Harry gasped. Inside were mounds of gold coins, columns of silver, heaps of little bronze nuts. All yours, smiled Hagrid. All Harry's. This was incredible. The Dursleys couldn't have known about this, or they would have kept it from him, or they would have had it from her, from him faster than blinking. How often had they complained about how much Harry cost them to keep? And all this time, there had been a small fortune belonging to him, buried deep, deep away in London. Hagrid helped Harry pile some of it into a bag. The gold one's a galleon's, he explained. Seventeen silver sickles to a galleon and twenty-nine nuts to a sickle. It's easy enough. Right, that should be enough for a couple of terms, and we'll keep the rest safe for you. He turned to Griphook. What, 713 now, and please can we go more slowly? One speed only, said Griphook. They were going even deeper and gathering speed. The air became colder and colder as they hurtled around tight corners. They went rattling over an underground ravine, and Harry leaned over the side to try and see what was at the dark bottom, but Hagrid groaned and pulled him back by the scruff of the neck. Vault 713 had no keyhole. Stand back, said Griphook importantly. He stroked the door gently with one of his long fingers, and it simply melted away. Sorry. If anyone but a Gringotts goblin tried that, they'd be sucked. They'd be sucked through the door and trapped in there," said Griphook. "How often do you check to see if anyone's inside?" Harry asked. "About once every ten years," said Griphook with a rather nasty grin. Something really extraordinary had to be inside this top security vault. Harry was sure, but he leaned and he leaned against the door forward. He leaned forward eagerly, expecting to see a fabulous jewels at the very least. But at first, he thought it was empty. Then he noticed a grubby little package wrapped up in brown paper lying on the floor. Hagrid picked it up, tucked it inside its deep coat, and tucked it inside his deep coat. Harry longed to know what it was, but he knew better than to ask. Come on, back to this infernal cart and don't talk to me on, don't don't talk to me on the way back. It's best if I keep my mouth shut," said Hagrid. One wild cart ride later, and they stood blinking in the sunlight outside of Gringotts. Harry didn't know where to run now that he had a bag full of money. He didn't know how many galleons there were to a pound of who knows who knows what that he was holding more than money, but he knew that he was holding more money than he'd ever had in his whole life. More money than even Dudley ever had. Might as well get your uniform," said Hagrid, nodding over to Madame Malkin's robes for all occasions. Sorry, I'm trying to speed this up. I gotta go. 
Listen, Harry, would you mind if I slipped off for you for pick me up at the Leaky Cauldron? I hate him, Gringotts Carts. He still did look, 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 oh my god, look a little bit sick. So, Harry entered Madame Malkin's shop alone, feeling nervous. I have to stop for a little bit, but I will be back soon. I am back and let's continue on with this. Okay. He did look a bit sick, so Harry entered Madame Malkin's shop alone, feeling nervous. Madame Malkin was a squat, smiling witch dressed in all mauve. Hogwarts, dear, she said when Harry started to speak. Got a lot here, and another young man being fitted up just now, in fact. In the back of the shop, a boy with, pa- with a pale, pointed face was standing on a footstool while the second witch pinned his long black robes. Madame Malkin stood Harry on a stool next to him, slipped a long robe over his head, and began to pin it to the right length. Hello, said the boy. Hogwarts too. Yes, said Harry. My father's next door buying my books, and my mother's up the street looking at wands, said the boy. He had a bored, drawling voice. Then I'm going to drag them off to look at racing rooms. I don't see why first years can't have their own. I think I'll bully father into getting one for me and I'll smuggle it in somehow. (laughs) Harry was strongly reminded of Dudley. Have you got your own broom? The boy went on. No, said Harry. Play Quidditch at all? No, said Harry, wondering what on earth Quidditch could be. I do. Father says it's a crime if I'm not picked to play for my house. And I must say I agree. Know what house you'll be in yet? No, said Harry, feeling more stupid by the minute. Well, no one really knows until they get there, do they? But I know I'll be in Slytherin. All our family's been. Imagine being in Hufflepuff. I'd think I'd leave, wouldn't you? Mm Mm-hmm, said Harry, wishing he could say something a little bit more interesting. I say, look at that man, said the boy suddenly, nodding towards the front window. Haggard was standing there, grinning at Harry and pointing at two large ice creams to show that he couldn't come in. That's Hagrid, said Harry, pleased to know something that the boy didn't. He works at Hogwarts. Oh, said the boy. I've heard of him. He's sort of a servant, isn't he? He's the gamekeeper, said Harry. He was liking the boy less and less every second. Yes, exactly. I heard he was some sort of savage, lives in a hut in the school grounds, and every now and then he gets drunk, tries to do magic, and ends up setting setting fire to his bed. I think he's brilliant, said Harry coldly. Do you? said the boy with a slight sneer. Why is he with you? Where are your parents? They're dead, said Harry shortly. He didn't feel much like going into the matter with this boy. Oh. Sorry, said the other, not sounding sorry at all. But they were all kind, weren't they? They were a witch and a wizard, if that's what you mean. I really just don't think they should let the other sort in, you know? They're just not the same. They've never been brought up to our ways. Some of them have never even heard of Hogwarts till they got their letter. Imagine! I think they should be kept away until... in. I think it should. they should be kept in the old wizarding families. What's your surname, anyway? Before Harry could answer, Madame Malkin said, That's you. That's you done, my dear. And Harry, no sorry excuse for no sorry for an excuse to stop talking to the boy, hopped down from the footstool. Well, I'll see you at Hogwarts, I suppose, said the drawling boy. 
Harry was rather quiet as he ate his ice cream. Hagrid had bought him. Chocolate and raspberry with chopped nuts. What's up? That's just said Hagrid. Nothing, Harry lied. They stopped to buy parchment and quills. Harry cheered up when he found a bottle of ink that changes color as he wrote. When they left the shop, he said, Hagrid, what's Quidditch? Blimey, Harry, I keep forgetting how little you know, not knowing about Quidditch. Don't make me feel worse, said Harry. He told Hagrid about the pale boy and Madame Mulkins. And he said people from muggle families shouldn't even be allowed in. Hold on, oh, I dropped something. You're not from a muggle family. If he'd have known who you are, he'd grown up knowing your if he'd have known who you are. He's grown up knowing your name, if his parents are wizarding folk. You saw that everyone in the leaky cauldron was like when they saw you. Anyway, what does he know about it? Some of the best I ever saw were the only ones with magic in them from a long line of muggles. Look at your mum. Look at what she had for a sister. So what is Quidditch? It's our sport. Wizard sport. It's like soccer in the mother world. Everyone follows Quidditch. Played up in the air with broomsticks and there's four balls. Sort of hard to explain the rules. And what are Slytherin and Hufflepuff? Schoolhouses. There's four. Everyone says Hufflepuff are a lot of old duffers, but I bet I'm in Hufflepuff, said Harry gloomily. Better Hufflepuff than Slytherin, said Hagrid darkly. There's not a single witch or wizard who went bad that wasn't in Slytherin. You know who was one. Vol, sorry, you know who was at Hogwarts? Years and years ago, said Hagrid. They bought Harry's school books in a shop called Flourish and Blots, where the shelves were stacked to the ceiling with books as large as paving stones bound in leather. Books the size, size of postage stamps covered in silk. Books full of particular symbols and a few books with nothing in them at all. Even Dudley, who had never read anything, would have been wild to get his hand on some of the, hands on some of these. Hagrid almost had to drag Harry away from curses and counter curses. Bewitch your friends and befuddle your enemies with the latest revenges, hair loss, jelly legs, tongue tying, and much, much more. By Professor Vindictus Virgin. I, I was trying to figure out how to curse Dudley. I'm not saying that's not a good idea, but you're not to use magic in the muggle world except in very special circumstances, said Hagrid. And anyway, you can walk for work any of them curses yet and you'll need a lot more study before you get to that level hagrid wouldn't let harry buy a solid gold cauldron either it says pewter on your list but they did get a set set of nice scales for weighing potion ingredients and a collapse and a collapsible brass telescope then they visited the apothecary which was fascinating enough to make up for its horrible smell a mixture of bad eggs and rotted cabbages Barrels of slimy stuff stood on, stood on the floor. Jars of herbs, dried roots, and bright powders lined up on the walls. Bundles of feathers, strings of fangs, and snarled claws hang up from the ceiling. While Hagrid asked the man behind the counter for a supply of some basic potion ingredients for Harry, Harry himself examined s silver unicorn horns at 21 galleons each and minuscule glittery black beetle eyes, five nuts a scoop. Outside the apothecary, Hagrid checked Harry's list again. Just your wand and just your wand left. And yeah, I haven't still gotten you a birthday present. Harry felt himself get, go red. You don't have to. I know I don't have to. Tell you what, I'll get you an animal. Not a toad. Toads went out of fashion years ago and you'll be laughed at. And I don't like cats. They make me sneeze. 
I'll get you an owl. All the kids want owls. They're dead useful. Carry your mail and everything. Twenty minutes later, they left Aelop's Owl Emporium, which had been dark and full of rustling, flickering, jewel-bright eyes. Harry now carried a large cage that held a beautiful snowy owl, fast asleep with her head under her wing. He couldn't stop stammering thanks, sounding just like Professor Quirrell. Don't mention it, said Hagrid gruffly. Don't expect you've a lot of presents from the Dursleys. Just Ollivander's left now. The only place for wands, Ollivander's. And you've got to get, and you've got to have the best wand. A magic wand. This is what Harry had really been looking forward to. The last shop was narrow and shabby. Peeling gold letters over the door read Ollivander's. Makers of fine wands since 38... 382 BC. BCA, sorry. A single wand lay on a faded purple cushion in a dusty window. A tinkling bell ran somewhere in the depths of the shop as they stepped inside. It was a tiny place, empty except for a simple spindly chair that Hagrid sat on to wait. Harry felt strangely as though he'd entered a very strict library. He swallowed a lot of new questions that had just occurred to him, and looked instead at the thousands of narrow boxes piled neatly right up to the ceiling. For some reason, the back of his neck prickled. The very dust and silence in here seemed to tingle with some sort of secret magic. Good afternoon, said a soft voice. Harry jumped. Hagrid must have jumped too, because there was a loud crunching noise, and he quickly got off the spindly chair. An old man was standing before them, his wide, pale eyes shining like moons through the gloom of the shop. Hello, said Harry awkwardly. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, I thought I'd be seeing you soon, Mr. Potter. It wasn't a question. You have your mother's eyes. It was only yes. It seems only yesterday she was in here herself, buying her first wand. Ten and a quarter inches long, swishy, made of willow. Nice wand for charm work. Mr. Ollivander moved closer to Harry. Harry wished he would blink. Those silvery eyes were a bit creepy. Your father, on the other hand, favored a mahogany wand, eleven inches, pliable, a little more power, and excellent for transfigurations. Well, I say your father loved it. It's really the wand that chooses the wizard, of course. Mr. Ollivander had come so close that he and Harry were almost nose to nose, and Harry could see himself reflected in those misty eyes. And that's where... Mr. Ollivander touched the lightning scar on Harry's forehead with a long, white finger. I'm sorry to say I sold the wand that... I'm sorry to say I sold the wand that did that, he said softly. Thirteen and a half inches, you. Powerful wand. Very powerful. In the wrong hands, well, I'd have known what wand was going to the, into the world to do. He shook his head. Then, to Harry's relief, spotted Hagrid. Rubius! Rubius, how nice! Rubius Hagrid, how nice it is to see you again! Oak, sixteen inches, rather bendy, wasn't it? It was, sir, yes. Good wand, that one. But I suppose they snapped it in half when you got expelled, said Mr. Ollivander, suddenly stern. Er, yes they did, said Hagrid, shuffling his feet. I've still got the pieces, though, he added brightly. But you don't use them, said Mr. Ollivander sharply. Uh, uh, no, sir said Hagrid quickly. Harry noticed that he gripped his pink umbrella very tightly as he spoke. Hmm, said Mr. Ollivander, giving Hagrid a piece up, a piercing look. Well now, Mr. Potter, let me see. He pulled a long tape measurer from 
with silver markings out of his pocket. Which is your wand on? Er, well, I'm, I'm right-handed, said Harry. Hold out your arm. That's it. He measured Harry from shoulder to finger, then wrist to elbow, shoulder to floor, knee to armpit, and round his head. As he measured, he said, Every Ollivander wand has a core of, of a powerful substance, Mr. Potter. We use unicorn hairs, phoenix tail feathers, and the heart strings of dragons. No two Ollivander wands are the same, just as no uni two unicorns, dragons, or, or phoenixes are quite the same. And of course, you will never get such good results with another wizard's wand. Harry suddenly realized that the tape measurer, which was measuring between his nostrils, was doing this on his own. Mr. Ollivander was flitting around the shelves, taking down boxes. This will do, he said, and the tape measurer crumpled into a heap on the floor. Right then, Mr. Potter, try this one. Beechwood and dragon hot string, nine inches. N nice and flexible. Just take it and give it away. Harry took the wand and, feeling foolish, waved it around a little bit. But Mr. Ollivander snatched it out of his hand almost at once. Maple and phoenix feather, seven inches. Quite whippy. Try. Harry tried, but he had hardly raised the wand when it too was snatched back by Mr. Ollivander. No, 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 no. Here. Ebony and unicorn hair. Eight and a half inches. Springy. Go on, go on. Try it. Harry tried. And tried. He had no idea what Mr. Ollivander was waiting for. The pile of tried wands, oh my god, the pile of tried wands was mounting higher and higher on the spindly chair. But the more wands Mr. Ollivander pulled from the shelves, the happier he seemed to become. Tricky customer, eh? Not to worry, we'll find you the perfect match in here somewhere. I wonder now. Yes, why not? An unusual combination. Holly and Phoenix Feather, 11 inches, nice and supple. Harry took the wand. He felt a sudden warmth in his fingers. He raised the wand above his head and brought it swishing through the dusty air, and a stream of red and gold sparks shot from the end like a firework, throwing dancing spots of light onto the walls. Hagrid whooped and clapped, and Mr. Ollivander cried, Oh, bravo! Yes, indeed! Oh, very good! Well, 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 how curious. How very curious. He put Harry's wand back in its, into its box and wrapped it in brown paper, still muttering. Curious. Curious. Sorry, said Harry, but what's curious? Mr. Ollivander fixed Harry with his pale stare. I remember every wand I've ever sold, Mr. Potter. Every single one. It so happens that the phoenix whose tail feather is in your wand gave another feather. One other just one other. It's very curious that indeed you should be destined for this wand when its brother. Why? Its brother gave you that scar. Harry swallowed. Yes, thirteen and a half inches, you. Curious indeed how these things happened. The wand chooses the wizard, remember, and I think we must expect great things from you, Mr. Potter. After all, he who must not be named did great things. Terrible, yes, but great. Harry shivered. He wasn't sure he liked Mr. Ollivander too much. He paid seven gold galleons for his wand, and Mr. Ollivander bowed, bowed them from his shop. Sorry. The late afternoon sun, sun hung low in the sky as Harry and Hagrid made their way back down to Diagonelli. Back through the wall, back through the leaky cauldron, and now empty. Harry didn't speak 
at all as they walked down the road. He didn't even notice how much people were gawking at them on the underground. They didn't as as they were with all their funny shaped packages with a snowy owl asleep on its cage on in its cage on Harry's lap. Up another escalator out onto Paddington Station, Harry only realized where they were when Hagrid tapped him on the shoulder. Got time for a bite before your train leaves, he said. He brought Harry a hamburger, and they sat down on plastic seats to eat them. Harry kept looking around. Everything looked so strange somehow. You're right, Harry. You're very quiet, said Hagrid. Harry wasn't sure he could explain. He just had the best birthday of his life. And yet, as he chewed his hamburger, Trent... He tried, and yet he chewed his hamburger, trying to find the words. Everyone thinks I'm special, he said at last. All those people in the leaky cauldron, Professor Quirrell and Mr. Ollivander, but I don't know anything about magic at all. How can they expect great things? I'm famous for, I'm famous, and I can't even remember what I'm famous for. I don't know what happened when Vol, sorry, I mean the night my parents died. Hagrid leaned across the table. Behind the wild beard and eyebrows, he wore a very kind smile. Don't you worry, Harry. You'll learn fast enough. Everyone starts at the beginning at Hogwarts, and you'll be just fine. Just be yourself. I know it's hard. You've been singled out, and it's... And it's, uh, where am I? And that's always hard. But you all, you all have a great time at Hogwarts. I did. Still do, as a matter of fact. Hagrid helped Harry onto the train that would take him back to the Dursleys, then handed him an envelope. Your ticket for Hogwarts, he said. First to September, King's Cross. It's all on your ticket. Any problems with the Dursleys, send me a letter with your owl. She'll know where to find me. See you soon, Harry. The train pulled out of the station. Harry wanted to watch Hagrid until he was out of sight, but he rose in his seat and pressed his nose against the window. But he blinked, and Hagrid had gone. That is the end of this chapter, which was chapter five, Diagon Alley. Um, hope you enjoyed. Uh, make sure to go check out Harry Potter Podfix. And uh, have a great morning, afternoon, evening, or night. That is it for me. Bye.